Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome everybody, this is the Man Up Podcast, podcast number five, 95, five from the magical 100. We're so glad you're here. Where is here? Here is Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Texas. Grab a globe, spin that bad boy around, with a little bit of luck you'll hit Texas, southeast side of Texas is H-Town, Houston, southwest side of Houston, is Sugarland, and that's where we are. And we're not pastors, we're just regular guys, but we're trying to uh, deepen our faith and go along this faith journey, and for one hour, and sometimes even a little bit less, what we do is we talk about the lessons and just give it a little bit different perspective and we're so glad you're here and want to welcome all the men and we know there's some women out there listening and we're glad you're here as well we have a facebook page that is at man dash up uh we also have we're on soundcloud you probably found us on itunes and we're so glad that you're here and what we do is we have a panel discussion and we have a man up Adult fellowship, Bible Fellowship here at Sugarland Baptist Church, where we go over a lesson, and then on Wednesday nights, we get together and lift the best comments from the Man Up class <laughs> and, and, and bring them to you. So wherever you are, you have the opportunity to go ahead and just think and dive deeper into the Bible and into the lessons, and hopefully this will help you along that faith journey and i don't do this by myself i got to have some help and the help today is the panel of <clears throat> mr michael cropper he's a attorney he's a prosecutor he's he can defend you or he can throw the book at you so <laughs> but we call him the judge it's great that he's here and we have a world-class trainer um he's pretty much the Class intellectual, he's Robert Koshu, and I'm sure he's going to be talking about his, his cougs as they go into the tournament as well. So. <laughs> yeah, go okay, hey, baby. You, you got to throw it. This is a man thing, so you got to throw in a little bit of sports. And he my, has a, an unreasonable love for the cougars. No no question about it. Yeah, and my name's, you know what the word fan is from. It's from the word fanatic. Fanatic, that's right. <laughs> so, that's right. So I think we'll just. We're, we're, no reason to abbreviate it to fan with Robert. <laughs> Fanatic uh, is, is fine. And my name is Bill Cox. I am just <coughs> basically a sales type. Um, I am also a, a writer and have done, done some uh, producing. <clears throat> and I'm the director of the Man Up Adult Bible Fellowship here at Sugarland Baptist Church. So <clears throat> we're missing a couple of people. And I want to go ahead and call them out. It is spring break. Mr. Steve Titch is doing something with his, uh, with his son, which I, I encourage every man to do. When you have kids that, <clears throat> that are at school age, that are having uh, spring break time, men, take the opportunity to be a dad to do something 
different and special with your children. That's what being a dad is about. That's some of the rewarding part of it. And we want to we want to encourage you to do that. And Kyle Trahan is not here, and he doesn't have an excuse. No, that's there was no spring break for Kyle, but he's our class deacon, and he's a great guy. And so we're going to miss both of those guys as well. So, well, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna hop before we hop into anything else. Even when your boys are out of school, find time to do things with them. Oh, no question Bill, about Bill, it. Yeah. Bill, Bill made a joke earlier about uh, the. University of Houston going into the tournament. Yes, March Madness is upon us. And not only my beloved Houston Cougars, but my um, the school my money went to, Texas Tech University, mm-hmm. where my older son is an alumni, mm-hmm. also is doing quite well and will probably be in the tournament. And the two boys and I were plotting sports bar plans together oh, for the tournament nice. to go watch games oh, together. Nice. So just, just to kind of throw that out, you know, even as your kids get older, you find different ways to connect with them, but make sure you do that. It's really important as your kids get older. A sports bar sharing a pitcher of soda pop. That is awesome, Robert. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> that's right. That's so right. If my wife hears that. That's what she assumes. I just want. Yeah, I know. I just want. I just want to let you know that uh, my Central Michigan Chippewas. Ooh, just missed it again. So, uh, n- no fanatic here. Um, we are in. What we do is uh, we have a study guide from Baptist Way Press, and it's Connect 360. And this particular one is about truth and grace and this lesson is uh, crossing barriers with grace and truth and it's a story that uh, I'm sure the vast majority of you have heard but we're going to try and uh, throw a few new wrinkles uh, in it and talk about some things that you may not have thought of and, and but before we get into it I just want to let you know that uh, the basic format for this, we have a base, a panel discussion. We go over, we do an overview because, hey, we're men, we're all busy sometimes. There's people, and I've looked at the stats, sometimes they tune into the first 10 minutes and then they get it. And there's others that will listen to it multiple times to get it. And so what we do is we have the panel talk a brief overview of the lesson. We read the scripture, and then we dive in deeper and bring up more ideas and, and, and things that you may have not considered. One thing that's nice about this setup that we have here is this. There are different personalities, and there's different occupations, and a lot of times our thinking is defined by our occupation, and there may, may be one or one of the other panelists that you might identify with more and their point of view and that may be because of what you do and that's all good but that's why we bring diverse voices together so and with that I'm going to go ahead and uh, and just do the the quick overview and uh, I'm going to start out with uh, with the judge Michael Cropper hey uh, just a reminder, Bill's telling you what book we're in. We are in John, uh, and I was going to say, if Robert wanted to open, he could. We certainly, it's his, one of his favorite books of all time, and he shared that with us. And, and just a reminder of where we've come from. The first lesson uh, is from John 1, where the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
So the Word, of course, is Jesus Christ. We looked at that, and He is God incarnate. And then the second lesson we have is, uh, let's see, Jesus turned the water into wine. These are these are all all great great stories. If you've been in church at all, or if even uh, yeah, even if you visited church, you have more than likely heard the stories where Jesus turned the water into wine at the the uh, wedding banquet, wedding celebration. And then the third one, which we discussed last week, is the story of Nicodemus and when him coming to Jesus and wanting to talk about uh, his spiritual insights. And Jesus confronted him and said, you've got to be born of the Spirit, not just study the Word of God, and not just go to Sunday school and church, but you actually have to have Jesus into your heart. So today's uh, uh, real quick um, note on today's lesson is the woman at the well. Uh, very, very, very common, very familiar story to all of us. And uh, um, I like that we were talking just a little bit ahead of time. Uh, and I'm going to let, when Bill reads the, the uh, scriptures, we'll go into it more. So I don't want to go into it much and give anything away. We'll, we'll talk about it more. But I, I love this story. It's another one of them where Jesus goes to a well and he knows everything about the person and, uh, and surprises her and he confronts her spiritually. And it works out just great. And that is called a teaser from, uh, from the judge. <laughs> and with, right. So stay tuned for his comments. And now we'll go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> to the professor. Yeah, so um, for this study, I decided what I was going to take in the in-between time to just to refresh is kind of refresh everybody with what happens. We talked about John being a supplement to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yeah, and kind of that's right. for my intro, I was going to say, okay, over in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is what happened. There is nothing that happened in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We Last week, we talked about Jesus cleaning the temple. And then from there, have this conversation with Nicodemus. Right. Two weeks ago, we did clean the temple. Probably that night, some, certainly within the week, he mm -hmm. had the conversation with Nicodemus that right. we discussed last week. Mm -hmm. And this is like immediately after that, where he's going to Samaria. And a couple of the only thing I'll mention is in some the end of chapter three that we didn't cover last week, the Pharisees started to take note that Jesus was. Baptize, that Jesus' disciples, rather, were baptizing people and they were actually becoming mm -hmm. more of a force than John. And John had been a um, thorn in their side. You know, the whole den of vipers comments don't go over well yeah, with the yeah. people in right. power. Yeah, was... And some of John's disciples, well, Jesus is getting bigger than you, John. What do you get? And John's exact words were, he must increase, I must decrease at that point. Yeah. Jesus left Jerusalem and he never really comes back until the, the end of John, the end of all the Gospels, for Easter, which we're preparing for as we go through Lent right now. And so some of the theory is he left because it wasn't yet his time. And so he got out of town basically to kind of escape the glare of the Pharisees. They're going to take note of him eventually in Galilee, yeah. but kind of get him out of the limelight a little bit. And so that leads us up to where we are now. And there were three roads he could have taken when he left mm -hmm. Jerusalem to go back to Galilee. He could have went along the coast. He kind of crossed the Jordan River and then gone up the east side. But the shortest and most direct route was through Samaria. And that's actually what most of the Jews did. They wouldn't interact with anybody while they were there. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But they would pretty much... They, they would do the... They would get on the expressway through Samaria to get to get back to Galilee if they were going there. Excellent. 
And with that, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the text is from John 4, 4 through 30 and 39 through 42. But he had gone through Samaria, so he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How, it is, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me, a woman of Samaria, for a drink? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the, the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and one the one that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will seek the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Jesus then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or, Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I had ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Once again, a very familiar story. And... The the title of this is called Grace and Truth. And 
one thing that struck me about it, and I'm just going to throw out to the fellas here, <clears throat> truth, and then giving you grace. Jesus slapped the woman with the truth, and then he essentially pardoned her mm-hmm. with grace. Mm-hmm. Well, he, and, and this is something we see time and time again with Jesus, and it's something that he kind of did it humorously too, by the way. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, Rob. I'm and and oh, he he does some great humor later too yeah, yeah, with does. it. Um, he does. But he he was never afraid to confront and call out wrong. He he didn't go by and I'll just use the PC world today. Well, we got to be careful. We can't offend, offend anybody. Feelings. He wasn't worried about offending and hurting your feelings. Right. Now, now, notice well, we didn't he, either. Twenty years ago, did we? <laughs> no, right. thirty years but, ago, right? But he but, does but. it in a way that's not condemning. Yeah. Because, all he did, he he knew her story. He he was God. He knew the story. Right. So, hey, woman, why don't you go get your husband so I can talk to him? And he did it in the form of a question. And and I was impressed. She actually didn't lie. She's like, well, I really don't have a husband. And then he's like, Yeah, you're kind of right about that because you've had five. And the one you have now isn't really yours. And there's several people, that, there were several discussions about this I kind of read about as I was getting ready. And some people said she was actually married five times and divorced. And three was like the max you were ever supposed to do that. So she's like way on the top end of that. Yeah. And there are others that say that she was never legally married to any of them. She just kind of bounced around. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, the interesting uh, thing with that is, is, is you tie it into the story itself, and she's at the well at noon when people don't come to the well, right? right? The author talks about this, and he, and he, he says a, a, a woman won't come to the well except in the morning or in the evening when it's cool and it's hot right yeah. now, so she must be an outcast because of the reasons you just yeah. named, Robert. She won't come with the other women. They, they might insult her. They might... Uh, throw things at her, who at, knows? At a minimum, they're going to shun her. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, she, no right, question. right. She's absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I, I always like uh, us taking these lessons and applying them to our own life and man's situations. And I came up where oh, I myself was essentially pardoned. And it happened in boot camp. I'm from Michigan. And uh, when I was in the Navy, I was sent down to Orlando, Florida. And there was a guy who was giving me the business for weeks. It was because I was that's exactly it. He called me Yankee, Yankee all the time. And I just let it roll off my back. <clears throat> what a lot of people understand, and you out there, if you haven't seen me, uh, I, I was raised on a, on a pig farm. And, but I was also a wrestler in high school, and I went in the Navy. I was 17. I was the youngest guy in my company, but I was far from being... And you're about, what, 6'2"? No, I'm, I'm six foot, six and foot. I wrestled okay. at 185. You so I went. Right, 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 right. But I probably like six weeks in after being ribbed for every bit of a month uh, by the sky, uh, I followed him into the barracks, and we had a, a little uh, lounge area. I shoved him into the lounge, shut the door behind us, and I told him, I said, "You never will call me Yankee again." And I. I gave him three very hard hits in the stomach and doubled him up 
And then I went back out for muster, and I stood in front of my rack, and my company commander comes up, and he goes, Ten Hut, and we're all standing there, and he goes, Sir, this, uh, I'll call the guy, name, his name is Gilly, because, well, that's what his name was. <laughs> he goes, Sir, I've been assaulted, sir. The company commander looked at me because he knew I did it, even though he didn't see it. And he looks back at him, he goes, what do you want me to do? Assault you too? <laughs> at that moment, I had truth and grace. He knew what I had done, but he pardoned me because he knew what I've been through. That's the unique position and ability of men. Well, and, and I, I, I'm going to hop on that for a second, just, just for a second before you continue. And, and I think that's some of what's missing from today's men, is we don't have that ability to look at a situation like, that was, that was old school. That, absolutely. You know, it, it was kind of like my, my younger son, I think, no, it was my older son, I apologize had to spend a day in in-school suspension with his buddy because they tussled a little bit mm -hmm. during P.E. Right. And I was like, you're kidding me, right? It was P.E. Well, yeah, okay, and you're going to put him in in-school suspension for a day where they're not really doing anything, not doing much, because they, in, you know, not blows, not just tussled a little bit. Right. And, and I'm like, back in my day, the coach would have, coach you, bar, run until you drop. Don't you dare stop until it's over with. Right. You know, and, and it, it's kind of the same thing. They they would, if a kid forgot their agenda, their book, right, which had their passes and their schoolwork, they got a detention. Why? The punishment for forgetting your agenda? You don't know what your assignment, then you have no hall passes. Right. If we want to apply non-natural consequences, and I'm going to use that word, to anything that goes on, versus in your case... The consequence of giving a guy a hard time for six weeks is you might get the snipe beat out of you a little bit. You're not going to do enough to hurt the guy. Oh, right, right. You know, but, but I knew better you're going to get your point across. Absolutely. Now, you know, something like that happens. We're going to sit down and talk about it. We're going to go to the counselor. Oh, oh, And, and it's like, oh, oh yeah. my, please. Oh, right. And, and what we've done as a society, instead of taking true biblical principles where we can confront bad behavior... Right. No one wants to confront it. Why? Because, you know, it's going to be. You don't want to be. You, it's you, going to be two hours of nonsense, and nothing's going to get resolved, and it's all going to feel the same at the end of the day. Versus, G Jesus could have sat there and had a six-hour conversation with this woman, not ever really confronted her, and nothing would have happened. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. And because of it. Many, many people came, came out and yeah, accepted the yeah. Lord, right? And accepted the salvation. Right. There, there are so many little things there. My, my question, you guys, how did she know he was a Jew? Do you think he was wearing some type of uh, a, a garment that pointed out that he was a Jew? Absolute, absolutely. I think partially of that, but also... His demeanor. He was, his demeanor, and he wasn't... Um, he, she knew he wasn't from around there, I think. This would have been a definitive route of travel. This was a right. Jacob and Joseph are both mentioned. This will is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. 
except here. It's not something from the Old Testament. Where right. they, where, and Joseph yeah. gave Jacob this well. You know, the Samaritans, and, and Mike wanted to talk about this. Yeah, to, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Talk no, about I want it. you to bring it up. But okay. Okay. they weren't, I'm going to use the word pure-blooded Jews anymore. Right. Because they had, they were. Intermarried. Well, what we call the northern king. So Israel, big mm-hmm. land. They split into Judah and Israel. Judah's the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom goes away about a hundred, about two hundred years before the southern kingdom does. Mm-hmm. The Assyrians invade, wipe them out because they were worse than the southern kingdom. Yeah. And then they repopulate the land with Jews and others, and they intermarry. As you they said. intermarry. That I so, think that's the key. Right. That really was right. And so to... at that point, they then become not pure blood Jews. Right. And as the woman alluded to, they developed their own temple system. Right. Mm-hmm. That's correct. You know, now, now, you can go ahead and jump and, in with your... Well, yeah, there's a great hatred that Robert is setting up for. There's great hate between them because they worship... Uh, first of all, they, be, they believe the first five books of the Bible. They believe Moses is a great prophet, a leader, mm-hmm. just like the Jews do. And they also believe Joshua is a great leader, and they believe they're from God. And they believe they worship the same God as the Jews, right? The first, But they only... Res- they only trust in the first five bi- books, which is the Pentateuch. Yeah, and no then, Psalms, no Proverbs. That's no correct. Right, right. correct. That's no the they were only Torah. They were only Torah. Only Torah. spiritually inspired. So uh, we were talking, and I was asking Robert and Bill about uh, much of the Muslim uh, the religions or, or the fighting that's going on in Iran, Iraq, and everything, and, and all I could think of was the Serbs, and they, what was the, the, was the other Shia, ones? Shia, the Shia, Shia, Shia and the Sunnis in the Muslim world. Yes. In the Muslim world. They Shia fight, Sunnis. and folks, they they kill each other, they hate the, each other as much, They're all, first of all, they're all Muslims, but they hate each other as, probably as much or more than Christians. And they kill each other, just oh, yeah. they're in vicinity because they interpret the scripture different or their their Bible their Quran. call the Quran differently. And and that's why it's so much like this. And uh, I mentioned that to Bill and, and Robert before. And uh, that's why you see, first of all, the Samaritan woman, she she obviously is not angry at him. She's curious why he asks her for a drink of water. Mm-hmm. And then you see later, now the, the funny thing, the, the little bit of humorous different part, you go to the end of scriptures that Bill read, and his disciples come up, and they wonder why he's talking to a woman. Right. <laughs> they don't necessarily believe she's yeah. a Samaritan, but many times the, the teachers did not what talk to a foreign woman. Not just mm-hmm. no, not whether she's Samaritan or not, but you just didn't go up and talk to women that you didn't know. So I thought it was a little bit humorous with well, that. I think that is, and one thing about it is, and if you if you don't go, you won't know, and I'm, that 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 has to do with not only going somewhere, mm-hmm. but it's also reaching out. If you don't reach out to a person, if you won't go that extra mile or put that put forth an effort, you won't know what you missed. Absolutely. And I think that is that is demonstrated. That's one of the wrinkles that it isn't explicitly said in this these particular verses, but I have no doubt that the disciples picked up on that. Like you said, why is he talking to this woman? Yeah. yeah. Once they found out what happened, they were probably thinking, this is awesome. Well, and 
what it lead Jesus's leadership here leads to, as Mike alluded to at the end, a large segment of the Samaritan population of the city of Sychar mm-hmm. turning to follow him, and I'm yes. sure that plays in much later in Jesus's story as the believers come. And there were some very unique leadership things that he does here as he approaches and talks with her. The, the other thing, and, and we don't really talk about this very much, but guys, you, you know, you meet somebody that's been praying or seeking the Lord sometimes, or you talk to them, or a pastor is under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you sense something. Do you, right. you, you agree you can sense the Holy Spirit sometimes? And folks, you know, we haven't talked. If you listen to the last 90 broadca- uh, uh, podcast, you, you know that we haven't said much about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But I'm convinced Christ had the anointing on him when he talked to her because she had oh. a complete open heart, completely accept right. his criticism. What, what were you going to comment on, Robert? Well, there's almost no doubt. I mean, I mean he, every conversation that, that's recorded that Jesus had, especially in the Gospel of John, was very powerful. Because remember, the Gospel of John is the Gospel all about believing in Jesus as the Christ. Mm -hmm. Starting from the Logos, Mm -hmm. you know, through the Lord of the Temple to being reborn to now someone who can recognize sin in people. You know, Mm -hmm. everything from in the Gospel of John especially points to that anointing as we move through and start looking Uh, at the stories. And and she says, well, give me... Did you want to... Going to break for a second. We are getting ready to take <laughs> our hard break. This is uh, <laughs> this is podcast number ninety five. Man up! We will be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters, or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is the Man Up Podcast. Uh, Man Up, spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys. And this is the No Church Answer Tour. Uh, We get together. We talk about a lesson. And... We muddy up the. <laughs> I muddy up your understanding. We muddy up your understanding of it, and we're going. And this, we've been talking about the woman at the well, and the different, different little wrinkles uh, that we can look at, uh, and the heading that the commentary has: crossing barriers with grace and truth. And I think one thing about it um, is about Jesus. He obviously had confidence when he crossed the barrier with this well, woman. He, he, he did kind of an eight-step thing that leaders do when they talk. They initiate contact. Mm-hmm. So 
they establish common ground, they then listen allow, and allow other people to speak. Because he did. It was a conversation. It wasn't yeah, all it was. about him talking about her. They arouse interest. They take only others only so far as they are ready to go. You know, he didn't try to push her. Well, you got to leave the guy and take off and, you know, all that. He, he only let her go as far as she wanted to with it. And they accept them where they are. And then at that point, they stick with key issues. And she tried to direct the conversation several different directions. And mm-hmm. he kept getting back to the central point. Right. which was himself, and then finally they communicate things directly and simply, and that's kind of what we talked about at the end, that a lot of what we're missing in the world today is people don't want to do things directly and simply. They want to dance around the issue. Did you know that? Did you actually know that off the top of your head? Are you no, reading something? No, I, I am reading that. Oh, that is okay. Dude, 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 you are totally awesome <laughs> if you do that off the top of your head. I'm not that good. But, but you're absolutely correct. And, and that's the, that is the thing about the politically correct culture that we live in right now and men and I'm so glad that you are listening to this because I myself am probably one of the worst people it's made me think before I speak not only think about the idea that I was saying but how I say it and it it kind of clogs up the system well, it, it, what happens is... It's not it, truth. It's well, absolutely it, it's not truth. It's not yeah. truth, but it's more than this, and I think Mike could talk about this. It's, when you're doing an argument, you have to be careful not to overthink it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. As you yeah. go through. Oh, uh, yeah. Everything's in moderation. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you, you make judgments you make today when you're training. Everything, you can't go overboard. You've got to be moderate, and you've got to reach the... Least intelligent person, the most intelligent person in your group, right? You've got to to, to direct to try to direct a message to everybody. You have That's to find a, a, you have to find a medium there. And when you overthink mm-hmm. something, it, a friend of mine and I used we used to joke all the time about that we knew people that they they knew how to take a two minute phone call, turn it into a fifteen minute phone call, and still give wrong information. Right. <laughs> because they sat and thought and thought and worked. And that that's what happens with what you just discussed. Instead of us confronting spiritually and directly, we right. think through mm-hmm. everything and then we end up dancing around and we really don't do any good for that person or yeah. the cause of Christ with what we've done because all we've done is kind of muddy the waters you know you're, you're talking right. what we end up trying end up doing a lot of times but there are times that we end up muddying the waters too as we go through well uh, because uh, we over we want to because overthink. because we're not direct we take 20 minutes to give away five minutes of wrong information mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but and the thing about it is, if and I, I think about the players uh, in this particular story. And of course, you have Jesus, you have the woman, you have the disciples who come back at the end, but you have the well. And imagine the well being there and seeing this. And how many times people have come, drawn water out of it and left 
and nothing really happens or nothing nothing out of the ordinary happens and then something like this spectacular happens well you, you point out the water and I, I think that, again there's more humor in that the water he says he says give me water and she says uh, he says if you know who I was you'd ask me for living water well first of all any water is Living, living water, water if you're thirsty, right? right. And uh, and then and then what he refers to is the spirit to the spirit that you must you must quench the spiritual thirst that's inside of you, right? Well, I think that that is a very good point. But a point that I have is this: I think he knew this woman was spiritual. Yes. Not many people, not everybody, particularly in American society now, is spiritual. Not everybody is. But there are people that, like my son, for example, he's been a spiritual kid his whole life. And it's not just because of me. It's, it's amazing. And, and, but he has some of the, his other friends that some of them are yearning as well. And he's able to just work with them, but not necessarily shape them. But, and, and there's other people that have really no interest in well, it. it it's, it's, and, and, and it goes back to where we are today. And Steve and I have been talking a lot about, we, we both really enjoyed... Um, a World Without Christianity, the book we read by Dr. Jeremiah Johnston and Christian. And the fact that we are in a post-Christian world right now, you know, once again, not that America was ever Christian, really mm-hmm. a Christian mm-hmm. nation, but the, but the influence of the church was everywhere. Now the influence of the church is nowhere. And with that, People don't recognize, they know they need something, but because you don't see the church propagated, they don't realize that it can provide an answer for them. You know, that is a good, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been talking with some friends about this as well. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, the separation of church and state, because what it's done is instead of having state Christian and Christianity and symbols all around you, it makes a person seek out that faith and have a spiritual discipline to get your faith. You have to pursue it. You have to want it now. And I think sometimes when you have everything all around you, it's it's like uh, having rich parents that give you everything, you you don't you don't appreciate it. Whereas when it's not around you, and then you well, have to seek it and you have to go what, after what it, it, I, it will I, be I, more. I'll argue that one of the worst things that ever happened to Christianity was the 1950s when, and and a little bit before, but it, the height of it was the 1950s when. Christianity got wrapped in with the American flag because it became a cultural thing not a spiritual thing and Mm. when it becomes a cultural thing not a spiritual thing 
You're right. The spiritual discipline is gone. And you, you don't recognize you need the spiritual discipline. We talked about, I talked about last week, about going to my mom's, the closing of my mother's church, sure. the church where I grew up at. That was a prime example of, and I didn't comment on Episcopal Church polity and theology at that time. I'll do a little bit now. They are a prime example of a church who wrapped itself in an in a American culture not worried about the spiritual thing. They were more concerned with the culturism and the spiritual and having mm-hmm. the right people in our church. Mm-hmm. And my mom's church is the tip of the iceberg of what's going on with the Episcopal Church now because of that. They are the big, big churches, St. John the Divine, where President Bush and Barbara Bush were funeral were held. Mm-hmm. They're going to survive. But what you see is all these little bitty epi- medium Satellite. to small yeah. Episcopal churches, they're all dying off. Mm-hmm. Yeah because they lost their connection and people right. don't have a way and the ones who who are faithful don't have a place to go and be faithful anymore because of it. Yeah. Right, right. Well, we're getting down to the uh, end of this discussion. I want to go around the room one more time, but before I do, I just want to make sure that you know this is podcast number 95, which means we only got... Four more until our big podcast number 100 comes up. It's going to be a huge extravaganza. And I'm not going to give you any details. I really don't have any, but I know it's going to be, I know it's going to be, it's going to be huge. It's going to be the best one ever. So, but stay tuned. And we do, we, we do have some, uh, some great people lined up and you've heard them. Some of them you've heard before. Some of them were major supporters of this podcast and, 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 and they've talked with me about this and I did not realize there is very few podcasts that make it to. 100 so we're and we couldn't do it without the people that listen so and with that i'm going to go around the room one more time and uh and let the fellas uh give their kind of uh, any additional information or insight or summary of it uh and this is uh about jesus and the woman at the well mr mike all right uh bill yeah one more time we go back to um a favorite part of this we bill has read and uh and we've talked about it, that the two things that distinguished the Samaritans and the Jews back then were where they worshipped. Uh, and we, I, I don't know if we mentioned this the first part of the podcast, but, but the, um, the Samaritan woman said to Jesus, you know, we know that you worship in Jerusalem. And we have worshipped, we believe the place to worship is on the mountain. I think it was called Jerusalem at that time. Their specific worship spot. And then Jesus said, well, believe me, the hour is coming when, and it's now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and truth. For the Father seeks those who worship him in spirit, in, sp- in spirit once again, and truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. He's talking there, folks, you won't need to go to a church to worship. And we don't need to go to a church to worship. In our hearts, you can worship all day long. We like to go to a church for the reasons the Bill talks about the podcast. It keeps us focused. We go to uh, Sugarland Baptist, and we have a men's class, which Bill has talked to you about. It keeps us focused each week, and we love it. But you can worship Jesus, or you can worship God in your heart wherever you are. And that's what Jesus is telling her. You don't have to go to a specific place. When the Lord and the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, you can worship it. It's it's not the place. It's not the place. No. 
It, 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 absolutely, there's more to it. And, and you know, that's the, that's the thing. This is just a part of my worship. Mm-hmm. That's correct. You know, it's the corporate part of your worship. It's the corporate part corporate of my part, worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Professor. Um, I just want to keep challenging the guys. It's, it's Lent. Uh, focus on how you're going to engage the culture. Not to change it. Not to make it a Christian culture. But focus on how you're going to engage it so that Christ can be seen through you. Maybe you need to confront. And if you do, confront with grace the way Jesus did in this passage. Maybe you need to have, a, have that grace because of, we, we sort of talked about it, but because of this, she felt, she was so convicted, she shared her story with the people of her city who then turned to Jesus. And he actually hung out in Samaria for two days, which, remember we talked earlier about the animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the Jews would go through Samaria to get to Galilee, but man, they were on the expressway. You right, know, it wasn't right. stopping. One they were hoofing it. Yeah. Oh, got night. Got to stop. Okay, wake up. Let's go. <laughs> right. You know, and yeah. he stayed in Samaria for two days and taught in this city. And this is after he basically stays in Jerusalem for close to a week, meets with Nicodemus. Pharisees start taking notice. He hightails it out of Jerusalem because it's not mm-hmm. his time yet. Mm-hmm. He stops here and spends two days there teaching and sharing. And, you know, Sychar wasn't a big city. It was... No more than ten, maybe fifteen thousand people at most. You know, so it wasn't a huge city, but he stayed there for a couple of days and taught. Any, I I I know I'm just kind of redirecting real quick, but any episode or incident that you can remember in your life where you've had truth and grace happened to you or whether whether you've had the opportunity to do that I shared where it was in boot camp are but I'll never us? forget I'm I'm, I'm I'm asking oh, you guys oh, I, because well, because here's, here's I'm sure but thing. I can't find a I can't think of a time I mean I'm, I'm sure there have been but I, I'm gonna have to sit long and hard and think of that. Yeah, I'll take that as home. Prob- yeah, <laughs> I, you know, and I I probably should have asked asked you sooner. But and the reason no. why is those are moments in life that you will never forget, and that is a uniquely man thing, because men we don't interact like women. We're not. We're not totally social animals. We're not into the touchy-feely. Typically, when we're doing something and when we're interacting, we're doing it with purpose. Mm-hmm. And so what I want people to understand is this. Because you're a man and you're looked on as a leader, particularly in a moment of crisis, when a crisis happens, and, and I think about this all the time, if there's a car accident and there's women and children are in that vehicle, who is going to be the first one to run in? It's going to be a man that is going to run in and try to save them. Why? Because it's the responsibility. It's inbred. It's, in, it's innate. It absolutely is. Yeah. And that and and that is 
to me, a big part of this lesson. Truth is essential. But then you have the opportunity to extend grace. And you may change a person or what Jesus did. He changed the lives of many people because of that. You ask if we have, my whole life is full of grace and truth. First of all, I'm like Robert. I could think of probably many things, but just coming right at me. My whole life, I can tell you, when when the Lord came to me, he sent someone to share with me, but I grew up hearing the message and running running away from it until I was 19 years old. And then finally he sent, uh, and I think I mentioned this before, he sent an attractive girl to get my attention. And he can use funny things to get you attracted to him oh, and yeah. accepting him as Savior. Right. And in this case, uh, men are attracted to attractive girls. And this one came and witnessed to me or got and said, you know, you really don't know the Lord you need to accept. And I'd been praying all my life, been going to Baptist church, Sunday school, all my life, every Sunday morning. But I had not really accepted the truth of Christ. So I like what one of our former uh, members used to say. Uh, I'll call him Lynn because that's what his name was, Lynn. <laughs> he, he used to say, you don't, ex- you don't accept Christ, you quit rejecting Christ. Absolutely. That's a good statement. And oh, that's that, phenomenal. And that's that phenomenal. was statement. And that was excellent and that made so much sense to me. And with that, this is podcast number 95. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys. Hope you have enjoyed this. We are on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud. You can post a question or comment on our Facebook page that is at man-up. I want to make sure that uh, you are encouraged by us to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go. And if you're ever in the Sugarland area, come visit us. We're Man Up Sugarland Baptist Church. <clears throat> Want to make sure that you go to a men's only adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school class. And if there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through into this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.